Walkenberg gang on today's show. If not Chandler Jones, then who? And if not Jordan Hicks, then is Zayvon Collins ready for a larger role? Yeah, we're talking the linebacker position both outside and inside. First, though, it is official. All of next season's opponents now have head coaches. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 538, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So it's been a bit since our last show. Things good, MJ? Everything's good. I mean, uh, we always talk about the NFL calendar, and unfortunately the season didn't go the way we wanted to or the organization, and that's why you got to get back to the, uh, you know, the, gra- the grassroots and try to figure it out because, um, you know, the, the, these next couple of weeks and next couple of months are going to be very important to what this team's going to look like going into the 2022 season. You don't think about the month of March with respects to the regular season because that seems a ways away. September is when the Cardinals will hit the field once again. But this month of March, and we'll get into it more next week, but you're talking about the scouting combine, you're talking about the start of free agency. Really, the new league year begins on March 16th, but this is all part of that process. You bring up the NFL calendar. Heck, it wasn't that long ago we were watching the Super Bowl, and now all of a sudden, all right, now everyone turn the page, let's move forward. Well, at the end of the year, only one team hosts the Lombardi Trophy. And I got to assume the 14 teams that made the playoffs, only one team uh, won their last game. So everyone goes back to square one. And we know based on the NFL, teams can go from worst to first. We watched Cincinnati go from 2-14 and 14 to 4-11-1. So that's the beauty of the NFL. And, yes, there are teams, if you don't have a top 15 quarterback, um, it's probably difficult to win consistently in the NFL, and that's why we could see some musical chairs at that position when it comes to trades or possibly um, signing free agents. Cardinals would love to pull a Cincinnati Bengals jump in 2022, being that team, not four wins to the Super Bowl, but again, making that next step, taking that next step as far as an extended playoff run, and hopefully, and we're going to talk about this a lot, MJ, where that Super Bowl is, Super Bowl 57. It's Cardinals' home facility, State Farm Stadium. That is the goal, and I'd, I'd be very open and honest talking about it amongst coaching and against and with the players as far as making that a public goal for everyone. Well, it's happened in back-to-back years, and so now the Cardinals are on the clock. And, you know, from an organization standpoint, the feeling is they they got to go deep into the postseason. Now, whether you get to the Super Bowl or win it, you have to get deep into the postseason. That's the goal. And when you, we know if you're healthy and you're playing well down the stretch, you can make a run. Look at some of these teams. We, we had a five seed, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they were in the NFC Championship game. So you just got to get in the dance, but you got to be healthy and you got to be playing your best football late in the year. Five wins to eight wins to 11 wins. I'm not saying needs to be 14 wins this coming season, but how far does this team go? How deep of a playoff run? That has to be the mindset for this team going forward. And when you look at what is ahead for this club, 
we don't like to get too far ahead as far as what happens outside the building as far as when it comes to teams hiring new head coaches, making staff changes. We follow it along, but don't like to get ahead of the official announcement. So we have not talked about the four teams the Cardinals will play in 2022 with new head coaches. You're talking about the Saints, Vikings, Broncos, and Raiders. And the reason we waited is because, well, the Rams were still playing. And the Minnesota Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell, the Rams OC. So now all of a sudden, that hurts the Rams. Very happy about that. But now all of a sudden, all right, who is Kevin O'Connell? What do the Cardinals expect when they play the Vikings? And when do they play the Vikings? That also is a factor when you have a new head coach because is it better to see that team early in the season where the feeling out process is still kind of developing or later in the season where maybe other teams have an opportunity to give you some game film and blueprints on how to beat a Vikings club? Well, I think it's the unknown because we're going to see a very similar offense to what the Rams run. And they got the wideouts. You look at Justin Jefferson. You look at Adam Thielen. They had the running back in Delvin Cook. Now it's a matter of you know what that defense does because Mike Zimmer had his fingerprints on that. Um, so, I mean, you like to get them early, but it's going to be very similar to the Rams, and we'll see if Kirk Cousins is the starting quarterback there because O'Connor, he was he was pressed. He's our quarterback. I, I don't know if he used right now, and then he was pressed again. He said, I look forward to working with Kirk, but he never committed to him. So, and there's been a lot of speculation out there. Um, but he, I would think Cousins probably can get a year on his contract, so that may uh, settle the, uh, the the waves a little bit or slow the waves down. But, yeah, I mean, again, they're going to run the Rams' offense, and to me it really comes down to players. Uh, you know, we in the second half of the season, granted the Cardinals are going to have to address a lot of positions, corner, pass rusher, D-line. Um, but these guys are really quality wide receivers, and they have to come in the open field. Well, you don't have to look any further than week two. The Cardinals hosted – the Vikings, and that was a back-and-forth contest, a shootout, if you will, that ended with the Cardinals fortunate to come away with a win. We'll take it and walk away with it, and, hey, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't, and Cardinals were the luckier team that day. Yeah, but I never apologize for winning because over the years covering the team and whether you, we were working for the organization, we, the Cardinals have been in that situation a ton, and, they, you know, not to say that the football gods haven't been on their side because I thought last year they caught a lot of breaks until the second half of the season. But, hey, um, it's not the Cardinals didn't force Greg Joseph to miss him. So that's how you just you take it and you move on. Absolutely. The Cardinals winning that game 34-33. to So the Vikings have a new head coach. Staying in the NFC, the Saints with a new head coach. But there's more known because Dennis Allen promoted from defensive coordinator. So the only unknown with the Saints is, well, what do they do? A quarterback, they've got major salary cap issues. But as far as defensively, I think the Cardinals will be familiar with what the Saints want to do based on the fact that they went in-house to elevate their new head coach. Yeah, and Sean Payton said that, you know, even going to the final game of the season, considering all the quarterbacks they played, uh, I think by the Rams winning, it eliminated them. Dennis Allen's been a former head coach. I think they're going to keep Pete Carmichael as the offensive coordinator, uh, play caller. You know, Jameis Winston, um, you know, he's shown a lot of videos re- rehabbing. Um, we'll see because, there's, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo could be had. Um, other quarterbacks could be had, but 
you know, I would think Winston, just based on, you know, him being there with Sean Payton, there's a familiarity with the offense. And we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara and, you know, some of their – but I'll say this, though, I don't think their defense gets enough credit. Well, and we've seen that that Saints team win games because of their defense and how aggressive they are getting after opposing quarterbacks, forcing turnovers. So as long as that side of the ball, there's not much roster overhaul, I think you're going to have a very strong Saints team. But how far teams go depends on who's the quarterback. Yeah, and a lot of people thought how attractive is that job. Well, first of all, it's one of 32. And Dennis Allen – you know, he had a six-hour meeting, but he said, I, he, I've been interviewing for the last 12 years, you know, when he was there, and then he went to Oakland, and then he came back there. Um, so, obviously, you know, the fact that him and Mickey Loomis, just like Sean Payton, were on the same page, and, yeah, they're over the cap, but they find ways when it, when, when it you know, when, it, uh, when the, I guess the rubber hits the road, they'll be under the cap. It's just they have, they have had to cut good players, and I think the latest one could be Marcus Williams, the cornerback. Wow. It's, again, how do you get under the cap by March 16th when the new league year begins? There's going to be a lot of shuffling over the next several days and weeks ahead. So the Saints-Vikings with new head coaches in the NFC over in the AFC. The Cardinals this coming season play teams in the AFC West. Broncos and Raiders with new head coaches. In Denver, it's Nathaniel Hackett, the former Packers OC, and of course that gets named, and then all of a sudden people are speculating, hey, Aaron Rodgers is on his way to Denver. Well, maybe not, but that is certainly a connection that people are making, and if you're a Broncos fan, you're hoping that the connection becomes official. Yeah, they've, they've been crossing their fingers, and, and then when you hire a guy like Nathan uh, Hackett, uh, who obviously has a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers, um, they're going to be disappointed because, you know, I, I listened to the offensive coordinator, and uh, he said, you know, we like what we see from Drew Locke, but we need to see more, and that tells me maybe he's a backup quarterback. I thought Bridgewater did a nice job there last year, so we'll wait and see, but yeah, I mean, it's... Um, those fans are going to be disappointed, um, but it just kind of makes sense if Rodgers is not going to go back to Green Bay, and if they're offering them like forty-five million a year, two years, ninety million, and they are creating cap space. Obviously, they got to ID Devontae Adams, and so I, I don't know if Rodgers is, you know, both feet are out or he's got one foot in and one foot out. But you know, obviously, he didn't announce anything on the Pat McAfee show. So. Um, but they got a really good defense, and I think you got to give Vic Fangio a lot of credit. Um, and the idea was they wanted to hire an offensive-minded head coach. You hire the most qualified, but Van, uh, Fangio got that defense to play well, and they were in a lot of games. Cardinals will travel to Denver for that game. They'll also travel to Las Vegas to play the Raiders, who are now coached by Josh McDaniels, the longtime Patriots offensive coordinator, second time for McDaniels to be a head coach. It's just a matter of, hey, you know, this is what he wants to do. Now he's got to look at his roster and figure out, all right, can I do what I did in New England with, uh, you know, what I have in front of me as far as what the Raiders do offensively and defensively. But I think on paper it should be a good matchup in Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, and, and it sounds like they're committed to Derek Carr. You never know um, if, if somebody's willing to make an offer. But um, based on Josh McDaniels' conversation with Carr, it looks like they're going to uh, obviously um, have him the starting quarterback. But I, I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw in New England. 
two tight ends. Uh, you got Wallers, one of the best tight ends in football. They got Josh Jacobs, a uh, really good back. Uh, I don't know if Kenyon Drake is going to be on the roster. And then they're probably just going to play that Belichick defense. And the, the key is here, they hired a GM that was prior at New England. And so that tells me that Josh McDaniels is going to have more input than he had in New England because it was Belichick, Nick uh, Casario during that time. So to me, it's a match made and give Mark Davis credit because he ID these guys. And I'm sure there were times like, are you really going to take this job? Because, you know, he left, happened once before <laughs> he left Indiana. But I, th- I think he knows that Belichick's going to coach until he breaks Don Shula's record. And who knows if his son takes over. Um, so I, I think he followed, you know what, uh, there's only one of 32. And, you know, the Raiders, uh, they got a great home field advantage. Uh, they got a really nice facility uh, in Henderson. So it could be a destination for free agents. However, they've had some guys get in trouble after midnight. It's also a playoff team that McDaniels is taking over. So don't forget about that. They are on the upswing. At least that is the hope in the AFC West. The other coaching item that I think Cardinal fans need to pay attention to as we bring up the Rams losing their offensive coordinator. Well, the 49ers lost their OC as well. Mike McDaniel is the new Dolphins head coach. And how does that affect things as far as within the division? Rams offensive coordinator is gone. 49ers offensive coordinator is gone. Although your response is? Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are still calling the plays. Yeah. But but McDaniel had it, you know, just like any uh, coaching staff, like Sean Kugler, he's in charge of the running game. Uh, McDaniel was in charge of the passing game. And so, you know, he's he was a right-hand man for Kyle Shanahan. And sometimes, you know, um, you know, to me, as Bertrand Berry always told us, coaching is Monday through Saturday, and then you rely on the players on Sunday. But you had a, he's he's done a really good job. Of like he's the one that came up with the idea with Debo Samuel moving him around a little bit. So uh, you lose a little bit of, a little bit of experience. But at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan has called plays for a long time. Very successful. They can run the ball. They got a good defense. And now it's a matter of who's the quarterback going to be. Yeah, very interesting. And based off Jimmy Garoppolo's end-of-season press conference, he basically said goodbye without saying goodbye. And there's a lot of people talking, is Trey Lance ready to assume the starting quarterback position? I mean, you drafted him for a reason, and it's kind of what we're going to get into here momentarily as far as the linebacker position. But, you know, what you know versus what you don't know and a quarterback that got you to the NFC Championship game twice and the Super Bowl once versus someone that is probably still learning going into his second season, talking about Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, I don't see the Bucks trading Tom Brady inside the conference. <laughs> that rumor keeps floated just, uh, recently. And it, it would make sense, full yeah. circle, but I, I would not trade him in the conference. Not that the Bucks are guaranteed to get to the Super Bowl or the playoffs, but they're still going to be the team to beat based on Atlanta's kind of rebuilding. Carolina, we'll see what happens with Matt Rule. And then, you know, you throw in the Saints kind of hitting the reset button. So, yeah, I have a hard time thinking. So I would think they may try to – I don't know why they wouldn't keep Garoppolo. I know that obviously salary, but, you know, as Mitch Trubisky sounds like he's a guy that maybe can compete for a job. So I, I just think they need to get a veteran guy and then bring Lance slowly and maybe have some packages for him. But the only way you're going to get better is by playing. 
Can we get Debo to head to Florida along with McDaniel? Is that a, is that a possibility that it can be a two-for-one deal? I'm sure when he's a free agent. <laughs> but, no, he probably can't even talk about him. Cardinals Covered 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about the known versus the unknown. That's going to lead us into our talking today about the linebacker position, both inside and outside. But when we talk about the known versus the unknown, Inside linebacker, and this is a discussion that has already happened. It's a discussion that is going to continue to happen until something gets resolved. Now, the elephant in the room when you talk about inside linebacker, MJ, is Jordan Hicks. He is under contract for 2022, the fourth year of a four-year contract. And to me, he has been very, very productive. He has played over a 1,000 snaps in each of his three seasons wearing that Cardinals uniform, three straight seasons of 100 or more tackles. This past year, a career-high four sacks, so you know what you're going to get from him. He is smart. His football IQ is off the charts. Vance Joseph trusts Jordan Hicks. The problem, and maybe it's not a problem, but here's the situation. Maybe that's a better term to use. The situation is you drafted Isaiah Simmons in the first round. You drafted Zayvon Collins in the first round, a pair of, of inside linebackers, two tall trees, according to general manager Steve Keim, and you have Jordan Hicks standing in their way. What is the ultimate solution this offseason? Because it is going to get resolved one way or the other. You either bring back Hicks or you say, you know what, we're going to do right by you and let you explore another opportunity. Yeah, if you start looking at the cap number, it's about $9 million, and sometimes you can move money around if you choose to. You can extend the contract. But you drafted two guys in the first round over the last two years. Now it's on the coaching staff and the players to put the work in. I got a chance to talk to a position coach on defense, and he told me that the, you know Zabin Collins was pressing last year, and you know he's, he didn't want to make a mistake, and you can't play like that. Um, he feels like he's going to have a really good off season and he'll uh, ready to take that next step. And uh, also Isaiah Simmons, we'll get into him. You know, he's been playing four different positions. Maybe they, they cut it down to two or three. So that's a conversation they're having, doing a deep dive there. But, you know, Hicks has been great. But, you know, I love all the tackles. Um, unfortunately, the defense did not play well down the stretch. And you could say it was because of the front three or four. Um, the, the, obviously, they couldn't cover in the secondary. So, it was a mixed bag of of things, but he he's been a true pro. Um, enjoyed covering him. Is you know he always had time for the media. Um, he, we went into camp, had a chip on his shoulder. He had a great camp, but you got these two young guys, and that's what this league's all about. And we saw Isaiah Simmons make a jump from year one to two, and then year two to three, and now we're going to hopefully see the same thing from Zayvon Collins going into a second season. Hicks has been nothing but a true pro. Yes, he did ask for a trade. And he admitted as such a year ago, whether he does again this offseason or not, he was not quite ready to answer that question when he addressed the media at the end of the season. But what I found interesting when he did address the media, he was asked specifically about Simmons and Collins. Are they ready for increased roles? Quote, they wouldn't be here if they weren't. I was thrown into that position at one point and had to figure out a way that's just what the job is. It's been a pleasure working with those guys. That part there, as far as had to figure out a way, that's just what the job is. And I I, I totally understand what he's saying there because you draft these guys so you play them. Yet on the other side, well, are they ready or not? And maybe it doesn't matter 
if they're ready or not. You just have to see what they're capable of doing because there is a belief, and I've heard Paul Calvisi bring this up, that if Jordan Hicks is on the roster next season, if he is brought back, much like this past season, he is going to be the starter because he is going to show the coaching staff that he is better, not skill-wise, but he is a better fit or better prepared than Isaiah Simmons or Zayvon Collins to be that quarterback of the defense. So if he is here, he's starting. I don't think he can come in and be the backup. That might be the plan, but he'll outwork, outperform those two young phenoms. That is why maybe it is time to cut Hicks loose and say, all right, let's see what you got, Zayvon Collins. You're here, first-round draft pick. Here are the keys to the car. We gave them to you earlier. Maybe it was too soon, but let's see how you drive now. I don't disagree with you, and I, and I think the reason why Hicks has been so successful in this system is because of experience. I mean, he, you know, he's been with Vance Joseph since he's been here, and you could tell he's been the captain of the defense. I'm sure they go through the calls, and he can probably finish each other's sentences. So, yeah, I mean, again, the onus has to go on the players, um, and then the uh, obviously they got to get coached up. Um, that that's the idea. I mean, you know, a lot of it's coaching, and that's teaching. And, and they got to be receptive to, to, to coaching and teaching. So, you know, you look at it, um, Simmons played all, started all 17 games, played five different positions, inside, outside linebacker, slot corner, outside corner, and free safety, according to pro football folks, as you pointed out. 102 tackles, which is encouraging. Um, I think he's got to slow down at times and wrap up. He's got the physical attributes, and I know that they're really excited about what he did this year. They want him to be more consistent from week one to week 17. And I think that's the key phrase right there is consistency because you looked at Zayvon Collins. He was not consistent. Started six games, but five of those six starts happened in the first seven games. And then his playing time, as far as playing time on defense, decreased after week seven. In fact, Bird Gang, he only totaled 30 defensive snaps over the last seven games, and a lot of that was at outside linebacker. They were just looking to get him on the football field. There was a need at outside linebacker, but they were just looking to get him on the football field. Year one to year two, can Zayvon Collins make the same leap forward as an Isaiah Simmons did from year one to year two? Well, I like the fact that J.J. Watt's taking him under his wing, even though they don't play the same positions. Um, and that, to me, they're working out. Um, and, he's, you know, he's got to get stronger. Um, he's very athletic. I don't know if he's the most physical player, but he has the athleticism to go from sideline to sideline. He has the ability to, you know, if you're getting some pressure up front, to come up and make tackles at the line of scrimmage versus four or five yards down the line. So um, I'm not – I want to see it first. Um, but, again, I've learned over the years – Sometimes guys make a jump for the first year or second year or takes a third year, but hopefully he's turning in the right direction like Isaiah did, and that means they found their two inside linebackers for the future. And that was the talk after Collins was drafted. Hey, we've got two trees, two tall trees, two beautiful trees, 6'4", 260, Zayvon Collins, 6'4", 238, Isaiah Simmons. That makes it difficult for opposing quarterbacks to throw downfield through the middle. Now, move them around a little bit to get some versatility, but having that anchor, and we saw two years ago with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're two inside linebackers. That was kind of the blueprint. All right, let's solve the inside linebacker position and see what we've got. 
now all of a sudden you look at the Rams, it's like, well, you need a defensive tackle to kind of wreck things defensively. But that's where this team is looking at to have those two guys in the middle of the defense. Yeah, and after their draft, we made reference to Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. Those guys were experienced. You made Levante David and Devin White was a top five pick. David had experience. Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis had experience. So it's not going to happen overnight, but the idea is to be those guys in the next couple of years uh, before obviously they approach free agency, and obviously that's not for a while. So those guys had experience. Now, if we were saying Jordan Hicks and Isaiah Simmons, you've got experience there. They just don't have the experience of all those guys we mentioned. You look at what this those two players have had to deal with as far as getting drafted in the midst of a pandemic, off seasons being limited, and that perhaps maybe stunted their growth, if you will. But getting them at least for Zayvon Collins, getting his feet wet, especially early in the season, I think the the coaching staff. All right, let's see what he can do. And it obviously, I don't know. I don't want to say it was too much for him, but it obviously. His head seemed to be swimming. He wasn't always in the right spots, and maybe he was overloaded with information and tried to do too much, tried to be the guy, as General Manager Steve Kine pointed out on draft night. He's our starter day one. Well, it's a lot of pressure for a young player, and no faults of Zavins, but I just don't think he was quite ready, and that was why a year ago, MJ, we're talking about Jordan Hicks. He needs to be on this team. He needs to be the backup the you know the plan b if you will i just don't know as much as i like jordan hicks and the fact that maybe you're a better team with him especially early in the season i just don't know if you can go that route if you want to see exactly what you have in zaven collins yeah and and and, and steve obviously made that comment and you know everyone's going to say well he didn't play a lot this year well go back to isaiah simmons first year but at the end of the day he can say that but that's why you have coaches. Coaches make those decisions who's going to start. Now, at the end of the day, when you get to the 53-man roster, you start looking at, okay, what is his salary? That That's on the GM. The GM's job is to get the top 53 guys, and then Kingsbury and his staff has to figure out who's the top 46 guys on game day. The coaches decide who starts. He can make those comments. And, again, we all have bosses, and and maybe they felt we got to make sure we get them involved. Um, but this team was trying to win football games. And that's it's hard to develop guys when you're trying to win, especially when you're seven and zero and ten and two. And that's the not pushback, but that's that conversation. Front office looking long term, coaching staff looking in the immediate future. This Sunday, you know, I, you know, my job's predicated on wins and losses now, not what this team potentially could do down the road. I want to see him play a lot in the preseason. I know they're only going to have one, what, one, two preseason games. Well, two or three. I, I, I'm guessing three. Three. And then one at home and two on the road. Yeah. And I don't know about that third one. Maybe, you know, teams will treat it like the fourth one. Um, but I would like to see him play a lot. Just, just kind of feel comfortable. And when you're thinking, you can't react as fast as you are. And I think he was swimming last year. There was a lot put on his plate. And let's talk about, you know, where he came from. I mean, not, I mean, he obviously, Brian Urlacher is very similar to him, and he had a nice NFL career. And Some people looked at him as a safety. So there, it, it, it can happen, but it's a different animal playing in the NFL, and if you didn't play at a Power 5 school, it's a little bit different on game day. Uh, in addition to Hicks, Simmons, Collins, Tanner Vallejo is under contract. Joe Walker signed to a future contract. Ezekiel Turner 
an unrestricted free agent. He's been more of a special teams player, but there's not a lot of experience depth behind Simmons and Collins. Yeah, Tanner Vallejo and Joe Walker are serviceable, specifically Tanner Vallejo, but it's more about, all right, you drafted those two phenoms, those two six-four two, trees, if you will, for a reason. Let's see what they can do. Now, the wrinkle in all this kind of leads us to the outside linebacker position and the future of Chandler Jones because we did see Isaiah Simmons play a little outside linebacker. We did see Zayvon Collins play a little outside linebacker. How much is the thought process now, regardless of Chandler Jones's future, but all right, Simmons and Collins, are you better suited inside or outside? I mean, if you want to just figure out one position versus the five that Simmons played, let's kind of figure out where you're best suited within this defense. Yeah, I, I would slow play um, Collins. I, I think Xavier, we talk about position flexibility, and, you know, if you could say, well, he's a jack of all trades, but what is his master, right? I mean, what the saying is, you know, he can do a lot of good things, but what is he mastering? And the, the impression I got, they do want him to play on the outside, but I don't know if it's rushing the passer. They feel like he's really good in the screen game. He can cover uh, slot receivers. So it's a little bit different than him just lining up on the outside. But they would like to have him on the outside, possibly in a 3-4. Again, it would be an outside linebacker, but he'd be a hybrid, though. So I've heard that they'd like to get him on the outside, but I don't know if it's hand in the dirt. But they really they think he can cover the flat um, and the screen passes. And you're talking about Isaiah Simmons. Yes. And that would be based off of what we saw last season, yep. seven passes defensed and the ability to run with a slot receiver, cover a tight end. That's the other thing we've seen over the last two seasons, the ability to cover the tight end and not get burned like this team was in 2019. And, 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 and again, uh, you got to give uh, offensive coordinators and quarterbacks when they uh, pre-snap read. Um, there are times when they'll have a, a, a running back that has to go out to the outside for the wheelhouse route, and there's times that Jordan Hicks had to cover that guy, and there was time that Jordan Hicks had to cover tight ends, and that's not ideal. Um, Jordan Hicks needs to be in the front seven. Cardinals allowed the fewest number of tight ends or fewest number of touchdowns to tight ends for the second straight year. Two touchdowns to tight ends in 2021, three in 2020 compared to the 16 allowed in 2019. And that was more uh, Devondre Campbell a couple years ago, and he's obviously had a, he's an all-pro this year, and we'll see if he goes back to Green Bay. All right, let's turn our attention to outside linebacker here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Chandler Jones, his future, yes, he's an unrestricted free agent. Dennis Gardeck is an unrestricted free agent. This is who we know, at least as far as signed for next season. Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Victor DiMuchegi, and Kylie Fitz, who ended last season on IR because of a concussion he suffered earlier in the season. So Chandler Jones and his future. If you don't have Chandler Jones, what do you have as far as a pass rush is concerned? That's why I brought up Simmons and Collins because their ability perhaps to be an outside linebacker rushing the quarterback, although that's just I, – I, I wouldn't want to rely – on that going into next season. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, pass rushers are not growing on trees. Chandler Jones is going to get paid. And I talked to uh, one of his teammates uh, a couple days ago, and he said he's got a ring, Mike, so this is about really cashing in again. Uh, I don't think he'll go back to New England. That's just me connecting dots, what I heard. 
Um, does he go to Miami where you look at the state tax? I mean, um, he's going to get paid. And, you know, he had an outstanding career here, but I think the Cardinals were looking for more uh, consistency across the board. Um, even though he didn't fill up the stat sheet in the sacks, he definitely um, created holding penalties, tackle for losses, quarterback hits, and and pressures and hurries. But they were looking for more. And if he would have been more consistent, I would have thought they possibly would have tried to extend him during the season, depending on how much money you carry over to the following season. But he's going to get paid. And, you know, I, I guess in the, in the long run, you, you may get a compensatory pick, and hopefully it's a three because I thought we, we all thought that with Patrick and it ended up being – it didn't happen. Chandler Jones will be 32 when the season begins. In fact, he'll be 32 later this month in February, so an early happy birthday to Chandler Jones, the franchise's all-time sacks leader. You can't take that away. Six seasons wearing a Cardinals uniform and phenomenal for five of those seasons. The one season he wasn't, well, he was hurt after four games. Yeah, and you know, I think you I think you could find a, a pass rusher now, a rookie. And you're gonna say, well, it's gonna take time. But Lily, I mean, if he can rush the passer and you rotate him, I think 23 would be an option there. We'll see if they are active in free agency. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens in in Carolina with Hassan Reddick. Um, they have Brian Burns there. They have Shaq Thompson. Both of the guys have been extended. Do they put the franchise tag on him? Um, because they got a lot of dead money in Sam Darnold, so uh, I think he'd be on. I think he'd be on the radar, and he's only 27 years old. Reddick versus 32, and he plays a little bit different. But you know, I, I would think that he'd be on the radar, considering there's so much familiarity in this building about him. It's a great thought. Yet, if you're the Panthers, you don't let good players leave. Now, if you're up against a salary cap, that's a different story. Sometimes you have to make tough decisions, but. 27-year-old Hassan Reddick, if I'm Carolina, I'm not letting him leave. I'm trying to figure out a way to make sure he stays with the Panthers. Now, from the outside, it's looking, oh, it's great. You know, let Chandler Jones walk, re-sign Hassan Reddick. Well, it's not, it's not no, that easy. I mean, it, it, I mean, Hassan may sign a long-term deal there where all of a sudden you don't – see, the thing, if you put the franchise tag on, you still have until June to, to figure out a long-term deal. So – you, know, Devon, you just restrict that player's movement. Yes, right. But, I mean, it, the whole idea is to try to figure out a long-term deal. The franchise tag really doesn't benefit anybody. It, the cap number is high. Players want their cheddar, which is just a signing bonus or guaranteed money. Now, you can potentially franchise tag Chandler Jones. The issue, though, is what it's going to cost. And initially, Bird Gang, I thought it was more in the $18.5, $18.6 million range if you put that tag on Chandler Jones. And then I was corrected. Joe Corey, CBS Sports, who does a great job following all of this as far as salary cap is concerned, brought up earlier in the week that because Jones would be franchise tagged a second time goes into a different category. That means his tag would be 100%, excuse me, 120% of last year's salary, but not his salary, but his salary cap number. And that salary cap number was $20 million. So 120% of that would be over $24 million. That's what you would pay Chandler Jones in 2022 if you tagged him this week or before March 8th as the window is now officially open. A lot of numbers there, a lot of math, but bottom line is you want to give Chandler Jones $25 million or spend that money somewhere else? Uh, I got I got uh, two words. Keep walking. <laughs> too, too expensive for you. Yeah. I mean, 
again, if he would have been more consistent, I'm having a different conversation. But like I said, he's going to get paid, and he's and if he's going to go to a team that you, you hope he goes to a contender, again, he has a ring, so it's more about cashing in now. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, he's playing for pride and being a Hall of Famer. Um, he's playing for his family, but yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, I wish we were having a different conversation because if he would have played well throughout the entire season, I think it could have been an option. But again, nobody wins there. You try to figure out a two-year deal. And I think they're willing to pay him like 15 to 18, kind of Cameron Jordan, a little bit older, what the Saints did. At, uh, uh, he's a right defensive end with his hand in the dirt. Now, again, I do think you can get a young pass rusher, whether it's the first or second round, get a nice rotation. But I'm intrigued with Victor DiMacchi. 6'2", 262. I'm not saying he's a starter. Played 14 games, mainly on special teams. He only had 45 defensive snaps because Kennard was out there. And Kennard's cap number to me, he could be a cap casualty. Don't have any insight, just connecting dots there. But I'm intrigued with Victor DiMacchi. And, you know, again, to me, if you have Marcus Golden, you retain Dennis Gardeck. I think Gardeck's more of a backup. You add a starter there. I think uh, Victor can be a guy that's would be a good rotation guy. I think his snap count's going to go up. Well, I think it's telling the fact that he was active on game day. You're talking about a day three pick that did enough to where he was dressing on Sundays playing special teams, but in a pinch could play some defense. And that's that's the bonus here. Do well on special teams. However you get on this roster, make sure you're in uniform because in a pinch, you might be called upon to play some offense or defense. Yeah, and, and that's Jeff Rogers. I mean, Jeff Rogers, he IDs who, you know, there's five to eight guys, and, you know, every year he probably has to have that conversation, and ultimately the general manager is going to make the decision, but he's got a lot of input based on special teams. And, you know, we see, you know, how well they've played, even though the rankings probably don't uh, – solidify what they did last year um, compared to previous years but you know he, he again that's how you if you're going to be a backup in this league in definitely a s- second or third or third day pick as you mentioned you have to play on teams that's the only way you're going to dress on game day and then of course you bring up Marcus Golden don't want to leave him out of this conversation led the team with 11 sacks finished second in tackles for loss quarterback hits tied for second in forced fumbles you know what you're going to get out of Marcus Golden that is 110 percent every single day not just on game day yeah and and I'm a big Marcus Golden fan uh, you know love hearing him talk he brings the energy uh, he practices like he plays but I think he uh, he hit the wall a little bit. Maybe it was because he was playing more snaps because um, Kennard was coming in and out. I think in the last five games, though, he, he, he had one sack in the Rams' playoff game. Him and Chandler, one sack combined in those last five games. And I think, you know, how much did offenses adjust to the Cardinals based off that week one performance of Chandler Jones when all of a sudden five sacks and everyone was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> We and, need to rethink some things. And, and there were some things in the Colts game that Marcus could have had, you know, a tackle or two, and he took a bad angle. That happens. They get paid, too. I don't know if it was against Jonathan Taylor, which happens to a lot of guys. Um, but I know he's going to work hard in the offseason, and he's going to come back, you know, doing exactly what he does. And you can just pencil him every year for 10-plus sacks. Cardinals, as a team, finished 13th in the league with 41 sacks, 29 of those on the road, and that's another dynamic this offseason, trying to figure out why the splits, home versus road, were so one-sided when it came to the offense and defensive numbers. That's interesting because last year, 49. Reddick had, what, 12 and a half? 
I believe it was 48 or 49. And, yeah, then a lot of that was because, all right, Vance Joseph, you're on the clock. You don't have Chandler Jones. What do you do to manufacture a pass rush? And he was able to do that. Dennis Gardak? 48 was the number of sacks. Fourth most in the league. Reddick, 12.5. Gardick, 7. Golden, who was a midseason addition, had three. Kennard, three as well. But, again, if you don't have Chandler Jones, if Vance Joseph doesn't have Chandler Jones next season, you bring back Marcus Golden, all right, you did it once. Can you do it a second time as far as manufacturing that pass rush? It becomes more difficult as opposed to just having one guy out there saying, all right, go get that guy. And whether that's, again, if it's not Chandler, then, all right, is it someone in free agency or someone in the draft? Exactly. And we can't forget about J.J. Watt. Hopefully he can stay healthy because he's a guy that can – rush the passer, he can split a double team, he gets tackled for losses, he runs at a ball um, regardless of the guy's 10 yards down the field. So, you know, getting a push there, and hopefully we see more from Rashard Lawrence, got to stay healthy. Lecky Foe, too, he's got to stay healthy. We'll see about Corey Peters. I like Dog be more of a backup. Um, but, you know, we got to include J.J. Watt in that front seven. I mean, not that they, they could line him up as a left defensive end in, in a 3-4, and then you got to pick your poison if you do have another outside linebacker or a pass rusher, and then you can line Golden up over the teams are going to have to pick their poison. But it's going to be it's going to be imperative that J.J. Watt stays healthy because he's going to be part of that pass rush. You want someone to occupy not only a player's attention but occupy that opposing team as far as space. Right, try to stop him. Yeah. And you wonder if J.J. Watt is healthy the entire season. How many sacks does Chandler Jones have? Great point. I mean, sign me up for 15 games. I hope he gets 17, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how Wicks. I know he's going to work hard, and he came back from the injury, so that's got to be a, a blessing in disguise where he doesn't have to rehab the entire season. He didn't have any setbacks. And, you know, I, I've been told he's been working out here on the field. Um, I'm, I'm, I follow him on social media. He's been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of eating, so you can see he's getting back into the lab. Always comes down to health. And not always the most talented team, but the healthiest team at the end of the day, i.e. the Rams with their five-star players staying healthy. And when the scouting combine begins on March 1st, as far as that 23rd overall pick, I do believe edge rusher. And whether that's – now we're talking about outside linebackers. I did not include defensive end. J.J. Watt, hand in the dirt, just someone who's going to stand up, rush the quarterback. So there are a lot of defensive ends in this upcoming draft. In fact, the top two prospects, perhaps Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, those are defensive ends. They're obviously not going to be around when the Cardinals pick number 23, but someone to get after the quarterback. That's a deep position with respect to this upcoming draft. Yeah, and again, we got to wait what they do in free agency. If they get a pass rusher, then the interior lineman, interior defense alignment, corner, possibly um, wide receiver. Um, yeah, we just got to wait. But um, I, just based on, you know, I don't, I don't pay attention to mock drafts. I pay attention to how I, the players are ranked. And I looked at a couple analytics, and there, there could be a couple um, – pass rushers somewhere between 20 and 25 and there there's also some good interior now Daniel Jeremiah tweeted something out the other day and I thought I thought I found it interesting like he said you know you look at these teams in the playoffs and besides you know maybe Tristan Wirfs and some of these first round pick uh, Becton he may be a bust with the Jets he said in Cardinals took um Jonathan Cooper, they took D.J. Humphreys. That was a little bit later in the draft. 
he he feels like you can get these interior linemen in the second or third round, and and you start seeing these teams. Yeah, you got to have a, a stud left tackle, which they do. Um, Kelvin Beachum, probably one of the better graded players last year, um, really brings a lot of uh, leadership to this team. So it, 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 along those lines, I, mean, I I I thought you know they got to get better in the interior right guard, but maybe that guy's on the roster. Um, but I, you know. Again, they're going to go best available player. Maybe they move down to get more picks, but I got to think pass rusher, cornerback, interior lineman on both sides of the ball are going to be something they're going to have to put on the radar. Well, pass rusher and free agency is going to cost you some money, whether that's Chandler Jones or Hassan Reddick or Harold Landry or Melvin Ingram. Cheaper when it's in the draft, specifically at number 23, David Ajabo from Michigan. There's a couple of Penn State prospects. Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame, Adam Anderson from Georgia. Some names to keep an eye on, especially coming up with the scouting combine in Indianapolis beginning on March 1st. But you're going to see, and it's going to be interesting, where the run is on position during the draft in April because there's not a lot of quarterbacks. So is that run on tackle? Is that run on wide receiver, or is that run going to be on edge rushers, counting defensive ends as well? Yeah, you never know what Carolina's going to do. Um, obviously, they got a high pick, but I, I don't know if we're going to see a quarterback draft in the top 12. I would not expect that. Based off of everything that I've read and heard, that it, there would not be – if you had last year's quarterbacks in this year's draft class, every single one of them would be drafted ahead of – of someone that comes out this year. Yeah, and it's difficult to go from the 20s up to the 10s, and that's why the Bears mortgage their future for Justin Fields. It's easier to go from 15 to 10, 10 to tw- uh, to 8. It's a little bit more difficult when you're in the 20s, so we'll just have to wait and see. But, um, again, I think uh, tight end position, I don't know if we'll see one or two in the first round. It's more of the rounds three to five. It's loaded. So we'll see, and, and there's some really good tight ends coming out. When we talked about Max Williams and Zach Ertz, hopefully they can retain both of those players. But if I had to, if I had to like project uh, the positions, obviously offensive tackle, which they don't need right now, but you have to look at the future with Humphreys going in the final year of his contract. Hopefully an extension comes there. But I think interior offensive line, interior defensive line, pass rusher, corner, and wide receiver definitely got to be uh, on the wish list. Speaking of the wide receiver position here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, sometimes you do have to listen to what Mike Jarecki has to say. Sometimes, as they say, you know, a squirrel does find that nuts. A broken clock is right twice a day. But if you – and even if you missed it, go back into the archives on azcardinals.com and go back to our conversation on the wide receiver position, and specifically Rondell Moore, because it was Mike Jarecki who first mentioned Rondell Moore as, let's see what he can do. Let's see more of Rondell Moore, and specifically outside wide receiver, which I admit I had not thought most about just basically because he's an inside guy, his height and everything. But you brought up, let's see what Rondell Moore can do as an outside wide receiver well you know another person is interested in the same thing who might have a little bit more leverage and influence in this conversation 1000 percent wide receivers coach sean jefferson recently on the big red rage talked up rondell moore and let's see what he can do put a quote put him outside a little bit more where he can run some of those routes on the outside end quotes and he also wants him to improve on his route tree 
And we talked about guys on, on the Red Sea Report. We look at Tyreek Hill. Um, Tyreek Hill's just a couple uh, inches taller. They're pretty much the same weight. Um, Debo Samuel's a little bit bigger. He's about 215 pounds. Yeah, and again, I, I have no problem with the eye candy because, you know, it, it, what they want to do is get him in space. And if Kyler's in the gun and they throw that little quick pass to him, once he puts his foot in the ground and gets to that secondary, and again, I, I do think that he hit the wall, but he's going to work hard. I'm sure he's disappointed he didn't put up more yards um, in the receiving game and more touchdowns. Obviously, he's a guy that's a utility guy, plays on punt return and kick return. I know what you're saying, though, because usually your outside receivers are tall. 6'2", 210. Right. But, you know, depending on what happens with Christian Kirk, he can he can do – I think he can play – that's what the route tree is. You have to be able to line up in different positions. And, again, I think Wesley is a guy that, you know, fourth or fifth, and he gives you that size. He's just got to get stronger. Sean Jefferson, quote, about Rondell Moore, quote, he's a phenomenal route runner already, but just learning the little nuances of playing outside, end quote. So great conversation, Sean Jefferson, on the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley, specifically talking about his Super Bowl experience as far as being the father of Van Jefferson, watching his son win the Super Bowl, and then becoming a grandfather all within a matter of hours on that Super Bowl Sunday. So a great conversation on last week's Big Red Rage. But, again, credit to Mike Jarecki here on Cardinals Covered 2. Well, I just, you know, last year, I don't I don't question play calling because a lot of it's execution, and they put a lot of work in, so it's always hindsight, and hindsight's unbeaten in sports. Um, and I, I like the eye candy, but I just thought, you know, based on that one when he was wide open and he had the little toe tap he had, utilize that speed. And that's what the, the Chiefs do with, with uh, Tyreek Hill. And and obviously, Debo's a little bit bigger. He's more of a running back. He can do everything. He can play in the pistol and take the ball out of the snap. Yeah, I, I but I, I'm I'm not down on him. I'm, I'm actually intrigued to see what his second year likes. Again, it takes time. Yeah, and it pays to listen to Mike Jarecki. That's <laughs> what I've learned here over several seasons working with the man. So we'll see what Mike Jarecki has to say moving forward with respect to the 2022 Arizona Cardinals. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, Mike Jarecki. You're on the clock now. People are going to want to know what you have to say next. I'm Craig Rio, Luke. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.